1: Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Welcome to part two of our conversation. You made big news with your decision to take paternity leave yeah. from the Miami Heat. That was like big news. And as we were saying just before we started this, a lot of people thought, yeah, uh, you yeah. go have a baby, but don't take, <laughs> off, from the, don't yeah. talk take off from the games. Mm-hmm. But you made that decision, why?
2: Yeah, so that is a mentality, right? For yes. professional athletes, if yeah. you have a baby, you didn't have the baby, you get right back to, yeah. to playing the sport. For me and for my wife and our family, our journey was just totally different. And as we, as we explained, even, even having a surrogate carry out baby, I wasn't there to be able to be like, hey, baby, daddy's here. Yeah. You know, to have these conversations so she can hear me, right? So yeah. we can sing to her, so we can read to her. So this connection that we, that we both needed, it had to happen right away. And for me, it was like, you know what, I've always done things my, my way. And they expect my wife to take off. Right? Yeah. Why not expect me to take off as well? We're parents and we're doing this together. It's no, she do this, I do this, no, we do this mm-hmm. together. So for me, it was a no brainer. My wife who was a career woman gonna take off two weeks, then I'm gonna take off two weeks. Mm-hmm. And it was something that I needed to bond with my daughter. I needed to be able to be there. I needed skin to skin with my daughter. I needed to read to my daughter. I needed to do these little flashcards for my daughter. <laughs> I needed to do all this. She needs to know her father as well. She needed to hear my heartbeat as well. She needed to feel my facial hair as well. Like, all these things was was important to me, just as it is to my wife.
1: And because you made that an announcement, was it well-received?
2: I know you do what you wanna do. Was it well-received? Yeah. I don't know, I really don't. Oh, I really don't even follow and, and see, you know. No. I, I wanted to make the announcement because I wanted to tell the fans, this is my last season. So I wanted to tell the fans who's paid their money. Some of them probably paid their last dime to come and see me. You know, people are flying from China and different places to come and see me play, yeah. you know, one last time. So I wanted to make the announcement to let them know, I'm sorry that I'm not there for you guys to see me play. And you guys might have spent you guys last money and all these things, but this right here for me, these two weeks that I'm taking off, this is what's important for me and my family and my life.
1: From the beginning, when you all first started dating, you said earlier that she didn't realize that you are a father who's gonna be responsible. You're not a weekend dad. And you take paternity leave to be with your baby, skin to skin, to have that time. How did you develop this nurturing spirit when, you know, you and I had a conversation several years ago and talked about you having a key parent, your mother absent in your own life. Mm -hmm. How, How did you get to be such a good man and nurturing father?
2: I have no idea where did that come from. I think it comes from the absence of what I wanted yeah. when I was a kid. So you're
1: trying to give back what you didn't get,
2: right? Yeah, I'm trying to, and that's, that's everything. It's like when, as a, you know, as you grow old and you start working, you able to be successful. Now you want to give your kids everything you didn't have. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, it was certain things that I wanted, and it wasn't material things. I wanted, I wanted my dad to look at me and say, "I love you." I wanted my dad to just hug me. I wanted my dad to say, "I'm proud of you." I wanted my mom to. You know, all these little things is what I wanted. And I always told myself, when I get a chance and I'm blessed to have a family, I'm gonna make sure my kids know that their father will go, they'll do anything he can for them. And I've been able to be in a position where I was able to, to go for custody of my kids and I was able to gain custody, but bring them into a loving household and be able to raise them to be, that we think, you know, great young man. And, and now I'm able to, with my wife now in this process, I'm able to have some say. I'm able to do something a little different and show my kids. i lead by example. I'm showing them what's oh, important. Oh, I love
1: that. Yeah. I love that. And I love, Gabrielle, where you say in the book, I realize that society does not provide great models of Black women as nurturers of Black children. And actually, when I read that, I thought, wow, is that true? Because we see all this. But usually, it's Black women, historically, who are, as you say, nurturing other people's children. The only picture I have of my grandmother is her holding a white child that she took care of for years. And I always wanted my grandmother to feel about me the way she looks like she feels about that child. And you go on to say that maybe as caregivers to white children or the sassy, sage, asexual sidekick to a long-suffering white woman, or maybe the beat some sense into you black mother that we've seen in viral videos, but never as loving, as kind, as sensitive, or nurturing to black children. And that's a stereotype that needs changing. What's going to
3: shift that? Us. Not to sound like super cliche, but you got to be the change you want to see. And whether that be just documenting all of us doing normal things, loving things as a family, and the people that we follow on social media, the the people that whose voices that we amplify, who do, who are amazing, loving, nurturing mm-hmm. women. And then, you know, as, as someone in, who, who has the ability to help create images uh, for media, to create those stories and to create those images that people can look to to see anytime they turn on their smartphone or their television or go to the movies. We have a responsibility to, to show a, a variety of of parents, and I think we have never had that variety. We've missed the loving part of that variety.
1: You were such a loving stepmother that the boys wanted you to marry them. Pretty impressive. What has being a stepmother taught you about motherhood? You have some specific things to say about that.
3: Well, that I wrote that before I, I we were even sure we were able to gonna yeah. be able to 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 have success with the surrogate, uh, so it was more hopeful, wishful thinking. But now that it's it's here and we just had the boys here for Thanksgiving, patience, and that every child has different needs. You can't do one stop shop parenting yeah. for all of them. Yeah. They all have very different needs, yeah. very different personalities. They're not all going to respond to the exact same yeah. thing.
1: I can say that over the years, all those years of doing the Oprah show and parents would come on, complain about their kids, the number one complaint would be, I did the same thing for him that I did for all of them mm-hmm. and he tra- well, that's the, that's the specific problem, because you can't do the same thing. Because my, th-
3: my mom never, she treated us all so differently, and yeah. we all came out so differently. I thought one of the oh. things that you make a great
1: point of in We're Gonna Need More Wine is that don't think you're ever gonna replace
3: their mother, no matter wh- how bad that mother is, no matter, I thought that was a really great point. You have to, I mean, as a step-parent, your job is to be consistent. So if you are more discipline-natured of a person, just be that. Don't go from Bobby Knight to pushover in uh-huh. a span of 30 minutes. Like you, whatever, whatever it is, whoever you are, just be consistent so they know what to expect. Understand that your role is to be an additional, helpful, reasonable, responsible, caring, loving adult your job is not to replace their mother mm-hmm. or father um, as a stepparent. Mm-hmm. And I've never gotten that confused. I've never encouraged them to call me mom or mother or mama or... What do they call you? Nikki, Nikki, Nikki. they call me what my family calls yeah. me. And we have a beautiful relationship, but so... I'm not their mom. You have to leave space for their actual parents to to exist. Even when the parent has passed away, Uh. even if the parent is absent, even if the parent's out of the country, you cannot, you should not try to occupy that sacred space Mm. that should be held for their parents no matter what the situation is.
1: What did you see in her, Dwayne, that you said, I want her to be with us for the rest of your life and the raising of your children. What was it about her? You know, we see this sassy, <laughs> yeah. you know, world-renowned actress. Yeah. I mean, What did you see that you thought, this woman can be the mother of my children?
2: Yeah, it was moments that no one sees, right? Uh-huh. It's the moments in our household when, when Zaire comes home and he has a problem with a girl. And she'd be like, you know what? Let me take, let me take this one. Or oh, it's, the, it's the times where she flies home early from work because it's a problem at our boys' school and she goes up to the school and mm-hmm. she lay it down. It's, the, it's all these moments you know, when it comes to you know, our kids that I don't have all the answers to. And we're partners. And sometimes we're in a room together and we're trying to strategically figure out how are we gonna speak to them, how are we gonna talk to them. She's in this with me. It, it, she's not looking at me like, what you gonna do? She's like, okay, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna raise these boys? Mm. How are we gonna... Once I looked at her and I said, oh, she's all the way in. Mm. with not only with me she's in with us she's doing things that i can't do and the boys need done and i started seeing them start to come home and be like yo nikki so i'm like well what about me they like this ain't for you this between <laughs> me and nikki. you know i started seeing them go to her and i started seeing them wanting to her and so these things right here became important to me to say not only is we gonna become a family but also i can't wait to have a family, have a little girl. I want a little girl. Have a little girl with her so I can watch her put that amazing stamp Aren't that are you glad she has. it was a girl? No, we need a girl. You need a girl. No, we need a girl. It wasn't, <laughs> it couldn't happen. <laughs> Too much
1: testosterone she, and around
2: won't Like she wanted, I think she wanted a boy. I, I kinda think she wanted a boy a little did bit. Did you, or did you just wanted a healthy
1: baby?
3: Well, I, I wanted a healthy baby. Yes. but. If it was going to be a girl, she needed to be in the WNBA. Yeah, she, needed, she needed to be, like,
2: <laughs> 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 you know, like, I really... Well, she got the hands of me, but... Yeah,
3: so, like, I. and because I was, I ended up raising boys, and that's sort of what I, I thought, well, if I could raise one from scratch, you know, <laughs> that I, you know, I had full control over. Mm-hmm. and um, You know, because the other thing as a step parent, you actually have no rights. He has full custody. I'm here. If they have to go to the hospital, he has to give me permission. I don't have any rights. My my parents show up for everything. They have no grandparents rights as step grandparents. We don't say that, but we don't have any legal rights. So you're here because you want to be here and you love, you know, you love to be, but having a child who I don't have to consult with any other person outside of my husband about raising her. That's more of what I was, you know, excited about. And, and Zaire, you I don't know. You get some rights. I have rights. And Zaire said, I don't know who, where this kid, I'm like, do you have ghostwriters for these texts? Because he said, uh, he's like, I'm so excited for you. You deserve this um, to raise one of us from scratch. Oh, my goodness. At
1: 11, he's saying that?
3: <laughs> no, that's uh, Zaire's okay. 16.
1: 16.
0: Macy's Mother's Day gift guide has the perfect gift to make mom feel special. Shop by Price, like 25 and under to 100 and under. Category, like fragrance, handbags, and more. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything. Gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted and for grandma. Get top gifts like Dolce & Gabbana devotion, eau de parfum, coach floral printed leather Cassie crossbody bag, and Le Creuset shallot Dutch oven. Shop at macy's.com slash The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. There's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts.
1: All right, I love where you talk about The two of you, obviously, as you just said, are raising these these sons. And you always talk about in the book, or you talk about in the book, dropping these black bombs. I love that section. Mm. And (laughs) raising black young men in a world that sometimes and oftentimes in many communities sees them as threatening and menacing Mm. is a challenge. And so you all recognize that. So you've had the talk. Right? And sometimes you The dro- talk never
3: The talk the never ends. The talks.
1: <laughs> the talks never end. You talk about what it means even ringing a doorbell to ask for directions. And on page 206, you say that you like dropping these bombs on your step sons. What does that really mean, <laughs> these black bombs?
3: I wish I never had to, but it just feels like every week there there is something happens where I have to explain yet again and drive it home and, and explain new situations. Tell, new tell, tell
1: everybody about the first time they went to their sleepover. I think this was the first time they went to oh, a the, sleepover. Oh, the first
3: sleepover. It's a, you know, in general, most parents are like a little weary about letting your kids stay somewhere else. But when you're parents of black children and they're going to someone else's house who's not black, we told them, you only go in areas where the family that you're sleeping over. The, How old house... were they?
1: How old were you when to had this talk? Like eight, eight They
2: like, they move what desire was eight.
3: Yeah, eight or nine. You only stay in rooms where that family can see you. If anything comes up missing or anything goes wrong, you will be blamed. Like you stay where they can always see you.
1: The way you describe it is like there they are in the back seat. They got their little backpacks on. They're excited to go to their friend's house, and you go,
3: wait. (laughs) Don't you be wandering around their house. Wandering around their house. Don't 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 go in any room where you are not seen or documented. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually love social media for yeah. this reason. Our
1: black photographer is you know. laughing because he knows <laughs> that that is true. That's true. true. We all know that's true. You know, yeah. like,
3: but it's, it's anything ongoing. Because up missing,
1: you're going to you. be the one.
3: Yeah. Or just telling how they have to walk the dog down the street. You know what I mean? The fact that I had to We were one of the only black
2: families in our neighborhood. In our neighborhood. On
3: our neighborhood. Yeah. The other black family is Chris, his old teammate, Chris Bosch. He lives 11 doors down, so we would only allow them to walk the dog from our house down to the Bosches, because the Bosches had security, and we could, like, say, you let us know. They thought they were on their own, but they're yeah. totally being documented. But even 11 doors down, we told them how to wrap the leash around, you know, just one finger... Right? but don't put your hands in your pocket. Our street isn't super well lit. We're in Florida, it's a stand your ground state. So it's not just police that you have to be concerned about. Where we live, each house has their own, most people have their own personal security. So if you frighten one of our neighbors, they, and they, because people have gotten away with it, can shoot you and kill you and get away with it.
1: So there was a time too, when they were going to somebody's house who had a big gym.
3: Yeah, when they, they had the golf cart.
1: Yeah, tell, tell, tell us that story.
2: What happened? When
3: they were going down to Phil's gym with the golf cart and you gave him permission when I told them it was too what late. What did
2: we do? I well, we had
3: to go get them in the golf cart. Right. Okay, so the so boys
1: have gone... Let me tell y'all yeah. the story. Yeah. Was, story. The story was... The boys, boys were going to a house where a friend has a gym yeah. and they're going down the street. She had said no... Then you said yes. Oh, they played
2: us. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She had said no. Then
1: you said yes. The boys are going. She said, Where are they? You said, Oh, they went down to somebody's house. Oh, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. you
3: said, It's too late. Nobody can see them. And if anything happens, because they changed the locks on that gym, and what it will look like is they're breaking in.
1: Two boys are trying to get in a house Mm -hmm. where the locks have been changed, and they're going to be accused. And
3: you had given them permission after I said no. It was too late. Anyway, so we both of you get in the and we both get in the golf cart and go go look for them. And while we're going, a police officer pulls up next to us, Mm -hmm. and like slows down. And then, oh, D Wade! But I, what you know, what I tell our boys if. If someone stops you, whether it's a, one of our neighbors, personal security, a police officer, you don't say your name, you don't say, don't recite your rights, which they know. I'm Dwayne Wade's son. We are in South Florida, and that will go a lot further than anything else you could possibly yeah. say. Yeah. You come home and tell us, and then we will handle those people. But come home.
2: Yeah, and know your address. We we told them how to recite it. I'm yeah. Dwayne Wade's son. I live such and such. My phone number is this and that. You can call my parents right now. Like We, we let them know exactly what to say but wow. it's, it's
3: things that you can't, it, that are hard to teach, like tone. Yeah. How someone will receive your tone or what they imagine in their minds, you knowing your rights, you speaking by our standards respectfully yes. to a person in authority, explaining your rights to exist you know, mm-hmm. in your neighborhood, you're not causing any trouble, you're not doing anything, can be received as aggressive disrespectful, inappropriate, and they can use all of those things to kill you, to hurt you, to arrest you, to put things on your record. And it just happened last week in their school. And it, it these these things never end. And we have to we're So
1: you're wondering. constantly having the conversation. The conversation. And
3: how, and how blackness can be demonized, weaponized, and criminalized. You never said half the things that they said you said. It's you, do you, you say you know, those
1: words to them or do you just have another more mild conversation? None of it? these
3: conversations are mild. No, we're. None. we're
2: none. We yeah. talk to them like they're, like they're what they're going to be when they're adults. Yeah. We talk to them like young adults and yeah. we, we tell them how it is. Just because we have celebrity or we have the means, it doesn't take you out of anything when then comes does that
1: make them because you're living in a predominantly uh, an area where there are not a lot of black people does that make them then fearful or do, how do you do it in such a way that they still can
3: they're not fearful they're, not they're fear- very they're privileged kids yeah. so it's like logically they get it it's not until it hits close to home
2: well they still gonna have to experience yeah. it Right, yeah. like we can tell them all day, but yeah. it, it's it's ha- it has been moments over the course of of, of a school or with someone' house when some of these things that we've said have occurred yeah. and they like,
0: uh-huh. can oh. you believe it? And <laughs> yes. we're like, we,
2: we this what we that's what we've been talking about. Yeah. So these are moments for us now to educate because even though you tell them and tell them, as we all know, you have to go through it yourself. You have to experience it.
3: And We just want them, if they experience it, to be able to be alive to come yeah. home to tell us about it. Yeah, and they're still. Will you? Will you have a different conversation with Kavya? Hell no. Hell no. We'll be the same conversation. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. because Sandra Bland, you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Um, a woman who knew her rights and her articulating her rights with passion and vigor that obviously was needed. She's no longer with no us. No longer with us. So I wish we had the luxury of raising her differently because she's a woman. No, but no. No.
1: So this is going to be your final season, really? <laughs> he said,
3: really? Really?
2: Yeah, this is. This will be my final season.
1: Was that hard to come to?
2: It was. I mean, I love I this game. I've been playing since I was five years old. You know, I've been playing for 31 years. So it was definitely hard to come to. I can still play the game. Um, but for me at this point, it was about looking at my family, looking at the, the space that we in, the place that we in as a family. And I'm like, you know what? I've been selfish long enough. I want to be able to now support my wife. I want to be able to now be there and support my daughter. I want to be able to support my boys as they, you know, before they get to college, before they go, I want to be able to be there. Um, I want them to see me a little more. You know, my family has been so understanding about me not being there. And I look at my career and I can say I'm I'm satisfied with what I've accomplished. Mm -hmm. And I have nothing else that I want to accomplish in the game of basketball. I've accomplished everything individually, team-wise. I've surpassed my dreams. So now I'm just being selfish, just holding on so I can be on the road or I can add a couple more points to my point total or, you know, anything I have left to give to the game is my knowledge to the young guys in the locker room, which I try to give every day. But outside of that, I have more to give to my family. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. We need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG 13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.
0: Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Mick crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
1: I would imagine, though, that it is a really anxiety-filled decision to come to. Because what is life after basketball when yeah. you've been playing basketball for your whole life, mm-hmm. and since you were five years old. So I was five, yeah. Yeah. Do yeah. you worry about life after basketball for your husband? <laughs> I uh, and him no. around
3: every it's day. It's more no, of no, the no, him no, around no, every single day. No, no. We're,
2: not, no, we're not gonna do that. I'm not gonna be around every day. Ain't no. say I was retiring to be around every day.
3: Well, it was more like when he was deciding <laughs> this summer, he didn't exactly have a plan. He was like, well, I'll figure it out. I'm like, no, no. (laughs) there will be no idle time here. If I'm going to work 12, 16 hours a day, I need to not have, you know, leave and you're on the couch and I come back and you're on the couch. (laughs) Something else has to happen. So how about you play one more year and figure that out? But no, (laughs) He is one of those people that the longer he has time, he notices everything. everything. okay. Like, he's out there like Edward Scissorhands with the, you know, with the landscapers. He's, you know, walking around with the painters. He took down a bird's nest yesterday. Like, he's he's got too much time.
1: Okay, so, so but I understand you're getting coached on it, which I think is really wise. You're getting coached on how to let basketball go by... I'm
2: never going to let basketball go. Okay. Like, I'm going to love it. I'm going to miss it. I know that. It just comes a time as an athlete where, you know. But you're being coached or meant, not coached, but you've consulted
1: with Magic Johnson. as Yeah, well, yeah. I,
2: yeah. Uh, early in my career, you know, when I got an opportunity to reach out to Magic and say, can I come and have a meeting with you? And he was yeah. like, sure. He opened his doors up for me. And I started asking him questions about what he's done off the court and how, how can I get to the point where I could even think this way. To yeah. get to this, and because when you're on the
1: court, jobs. you don't even have time to think about that. You don't
2: have time to think about it. Yeah. I mean, and you're young, and everything's going well. Yeah. You think this is going to last forever. Yeah. And you know, early in my early in my life, I started to look and say, okay, I've had injuries, mm-hmm. and I've had surgeries. And what if I don't come back to be the player that you know I once was? What do I have to fall back on? And that's when I reached out to Magic, and that's when I got an opportunity to come down to LA and meet with him in his office. And you know, we just got a chance. He got a chance to just open up his his heart his booklet to me and say listen this is how i did it doesn't mean this is exact for you but this is how i did it and i was able to take that and then go and develop you know the business you know mindset and savvy that i have at 36 years old
1: incredible every parent i've come to know has a dream for their family and i will never forget a show i did with fathers and a a black father in particular stood up and talked about the dream that he held for his family, and what I realize is, no matter where you are on the status level, how much money you make or don't make, everybody has a dream for their family. What would that be for you?
2: Hmm. Great question. As a whole, just obviously health—that's number one. I mm-hmm. want us all to to be as together, you know, as mm-hmm. as we can be. I want us to all support each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I want us to all appreciate each other's abilities in life and support each other no matter what or who. I want us to always be able to come together, sit around the table and be able to talk about our issues, our feelings, our wants, our needs. I just want us to love each other, you know? And you know, for, for us, you know, I, I want to be able to see my kids' kids have kids, <laughs> you know, and be around, yeah. you know, and just experience them grow and, and see who they're going to become in life and uh, hopefully they become this people in this world that uh, we're trying to raise them to become.
1: What is the one point of impact you want this conversation to have with the viewers so that they know what this experience of bringing this miracle into the world has been for you? What is the one thing you want them to get?
3: Hope. Ah. Knowledge, a feeling uh, and a sense of community that doesn't always feel like it exists when you're in it. You are not alone. There's many paths to parenthood, to motherhood. It doesn't have to match your friends or your sisters or your mamas. Every path is real and beautiful and valid and worthwhile. But more than anything, ooh, you are not alone. You don't have to suffer in silence. You don't have to suffer alone. Mm. there's there's hope, Mm -hmm. there's hope, there's answers, we got you.
1: The one thing that struck me so much about we're going to need more wine, you know, I've always seen you as this beautiful brown-skinned girl. I think about Paul Lawrence Dunbar's poem, Little Brown Baby. And reading, I was so surprised to read that you grew up not loving the color of your skin, that you didn't think that you were beautiful. What will you do... To counteract those feelings and to ensure that Kavya, from the day she's born, does not carry that weight of colorism, of not being enough, of lack of esteem that you had. How will you change that with her life?
3: So my parents raised us to give us compliments about our intelligence, which, yes, Amazing. Yeah. They always told us, you can do anything, you're you're amazing. They said all, I mean, every compliment you can imagine, except you're beautiful. We love you as you are. Your skin is beautiful. Hmm. They thought beauty is fleeting, so why would we ever focus on that? So I started looking out for anyone who would tell me I was beautiful. I don't go, oh, great, I'm smart, whatever, but I somebody tell me I'm pretty. Yeah. We will tell her all the things my parents told us, but we will also tell her, you are beautiful. You are worthy from birth. You are worthy. You are beautiful. You are stunning. Your skin is rich and it holds so much history and beauty and love and we will drive that into her every single day. But again, you know, I talk about it in my book. You can't self-esteem your way out of other people's BS. Yeah. And how other people treat you but you can control how you react to it and respond to it and how much of that you allow to land. So as long as we're still having these conversations about team light skin and team dark skin and this, that, and the other, it's a thing. It's a thing that we have to acknowledge. You can't tell brown girls, dark-skinned girls, and women that it's all in their minds. And if you just do X, Y, and Z, it's gonna disappear. It's not, we're living in the real world. And so much of colorism is centered around who gets chosen and why? Who gets uplifted? Whose voices are amplified? Who gets the attention of you know, this guy or this type of person and for a lot of us the people who seem to get skipped over for that attention and who get passed over for to be chosen are the darker skinned browner you know browner women with tightlier you know more tighter coiled hair yeah. yeah and and the people that we decide are the most beautiful in the world it it just came up you know recently with the passing of Kim Porter and for so many of us talking it was what Kim rep- Oh, geez, what Kim represented was this beautiful bright light who was brown and unapologetically, she was a bad M effort. Like she was, she was so dope and she was so loved and universally upheld as this mm. standard of beauty that we didn't have. And one of the things, which is a whole another conversation that Puff chose her. Yeah, that she was
1: chosen. She was by, chosen yeah. by
3: this kind of man. Well, then there's hope for all of us. And reconciling all of those feelings along with the loss of this beautiful soul, it it highlighted this need to amplify the voices and the beauty and the souls of all of us in the African diaspora. We are all worthy and we are all beautiful and we all need to be upheld. Our natural sisters, our our weave sisters, our wig sisters, our extension sisters are in every hue beautiful, worthy, the jokes at our expense as brown women, as dark-skinned women. We are made to be caricatures. We are deserving of love. We are deserving of respect. We are deserving of attention. We are deserving of equal treatment. You know, you get into, you know, how discipline is is doled out even among black children along the color spectrum, Mm -hmm. how black men are sentenced Darker black men are sentenced differently and more harshly than lighter skinned black men. This isn't in our minds. These, this is, these are real things. This is another show. It's another show. <laughs> it's but another show. we got to try to put all of this into our little black girl. Yeah. So she's walking. She got a little step. She got extra swag, you know, to hopefully help to insulate the world that, that we live in.
1: Well, I can tell you that in all of my experiences, the most valuable thing you can give is this gift of being desired. So I hope that light and love and God will continue to bless your family, because she was so desired. Thanks for letting me talk to you. Thank
2: you. Thank you. Where is my baby? Yeah.
1: We're going to get to see her. Drum roll, please. Oh, looky here. I got a picture of the baby. Hi. Wow, Hi. Oh, Babies make us smile. Oh, yeah. They That's give great. us hope. Thank you, Babies so give fun. us hope. Thanks for letting me hold oh, her. What an honor. Yeah. What an honor. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening.